Hello everyone and welcome back to Ghent for episode 3, a couple of gents talking about general entertainment news, news tonight. tonight. <laughs> is it general? What's the G7 No, no. <laughs> gaming. It's gaming and oh, entertainment news tonight. That's right, we're a gaming show, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh well, we we have some general news for you tonight. Oh yes, we do. Very entertaining. Uh, first thing we've put down: THQ Nordic regrets obviously poor decision. Now you know more about this than I do, but before I go into it, THQ, a gaming company I recognise for a PlayStation Two Scooby Doo game called Night of One Thousand Frights. That's my experience with THQ as far as I can remember. I think they might have done the SSX games back in the day as well, maybe? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, and I my big last game with THQ, I believe, was their um, boxing game, Fight Night. Oh, like right? boxing Tekken, wasn't it? It kind of... What, with like I wouldn't call it Tekken, characters. it was more... It was like realistic characters. You were. It was almost not quite a boxing sim. It was sim. It was arcadey. And now I'm worried that I'm like putting the wrong, um, the wrong company to this game. So despite it being horrible, horrible radio, uh, I'm gonna go look this up. <laughs> okay, I'll keep it entertained. Um, I can't remember what else THQ did. Uh, what does it even stand for? The T. Team headquarters? No. <laughs> What's the team? No, stand no. For? They did do the UFC games. What's UFC right? again? That's the uh, Ultimate Fighting. That was kind of Tekken-ish, where you would ah. uh, develop your own fighter, right? And you would work it up, and you'd get stat points towards it, and you do training stuff, and you could like work on your ground game versus your up uh, and fighting game. I so like, that was a I like the I sound of that. That sounds like Soul Calibur. With like yes. the story mode they have nowadays. That's a game I enjoyed. That's a game I really enjoyed. I played um a lady called Ivy. You know who Ivy is? No, what's that? She is scantily clad in a leather purple harness with huge gazonkas, and she has a sword that turns into a whip. When you whip people, she goes Submit <laughs> Oh boy. And it's my favorite. Yeah. Excellent. Oh. oh okay. That that seems rich with amazing content and gameplay. <laughs> oh yeah. Soul Calibur's like there are lots of games that have like uh toned down a lot of the over sexualness, and then there's just games like Soul Calibur that just go full ham. I mean, I don't mind. The guys are just as bad. It's great. I like it. Gameplay is yeah. not amazing, but <laughs> I like the characters. Soul Calibur is a weird game because it doesn't have a easy entry point. If you are button mashing, you do not go anywhere in Soul Calibur. But if you learn that game, it's got a very deep system. So I, I, I want to fight you on saying that the gameplay is not amazing. It, it does have depth. It's one of the premier fighters in my book. I think the problem I'm having it is because I've got it on PC and I'm using keyboard. And it's a bit oh. awkward. Yep, that that could be some awkward. Yeah. I would uh, suggest getting a nice little uh, controller to put into your PC. 
I really should. It's about fucking time. But maybe down the line when, when I bought other things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's this incredibly poor decision they made? So THQ Nordic decided that they were going to host an AMA on 8chan of all places. Now I've heard of 4chan. What's 8chan? 8chan is 4chan's racist, homosexual, uh, sorry, not homosexual, <laughs> uh, homophobic, <laughs> racist, homophobic, discriminatory cousin. And that's saying a lot since 4chan is pretty bad in its own right. Yeah, 4, 4chan's pretty wild. I've, I've never heard of 8chan. I'm going to, do I dare look it up? You oh. can at your own peril, oh. and like say that to our uh, our <laughs> listeners as well. The symbol, you can look up eight chan. The symbol's like an infinite sign with snakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eating themselves. Oh, sometimes called infinite chan or infinity chan. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. So why the fuck did they host an AMA on here of all places? I cannot tell you what the reasoning is. I it's not like Reddit wouldn't give them better exposure. Yeah. It's not like Reddit wouldn't have the entire horrible backlash that this decision had caused them and then they pulled out of uh, of the entire MA because they realized that they didn't want to put their name in any sort of association with this cesspool of the internet. <laughs> the marketing director Philip Brock ran the session. The marketing director did this. Yep. Wow. I mean, why a chan? Why inf why infinite chan? <laughs> of all places, why the infinite chan? I mean, even if it wasn't uh objectively a bad a bad site, why choose some place that's like it's 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 like putting it. I'm going to do Reddit MMA, but I'm going to do it on a cousin site to Reddit that's not even as popular as Reddit. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna put my uh, business page on like MySpace because <laughs> I want to bring it back. Yeah, I want to do a Bebo. <laughs> so yeah, all around a really poor decision that got them a lot of backlash, and I think. Because it happened in such a small, quiet, little uh, mistake of a corner of the universe, it hasn't damaged THQ that much. But it really does make you wonder what the entire idea was. Well, I just want to know why. Like, what was the yeah? What was the idea? Let me let me figure out what. Okay, okay they made the Dark series. They made Saints Row the third. Oh, that's yep. a game I liked. I I like Darksiders. I've never played it. Okay, it's like an easier bash 'em up. Um, that is kind of edgy Greek god inspired. Like you play like one of the four horsemen, and then you. Button smash oh, your way through stuff. Like famine and rage and war. You play you one go. of those. Oh, yes. Yep. See, I'm looking at that. They've got 
Desperados free, the guild free, Aces of the Luftwaffe, uh, Diana's sister Twisted Dreams, this is the police, Darksiders free, ah uh, see that's the one I, I recognize the most, Zoo Tycoon and Limited Animal Collection, hello! <laughs> I loved I love Tycoon games. Tycoon games are great. Um but I don't uh, Darksiders 3 is really the only game I recognize out of this. It is their biggest game, but again, it's it's a studio that I guess wasn't doing the biggest things but was moving along with other stuff. And yeah, this is a this is being a bit of egg in their face and hopefully they learned from it. <laughs> Well, hopefully, and hopefully other places do as well. Like, be careful where you post your shit, because um, the internet is not fair and balanced. As as of all things, there are better places to put your shit. You know, it's yeah, why, it's it's why we try and host this on iTunes, which we can host on iTunes now, by the way. Big celebration! All big up there. celebration. But it's also a matter of like just wanting to be associated with better things than what 8chan was doing and a lot of it is that you might just without being overt about it you might give them legitimacy which you should never have done yeah don't give infinite snake chan a platform okay <laughs> okay i mean i i I don't. I don't know too much about it. I don't want to. I don't want to judge. I'm just. I'm just hearing what I've been told. But you know, does it just? At the very least, it just seems like a very, 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 very weird place to put it. At the very least, and it will do no help. Uh, speaking of yeah. things that did no help, uh, probably the biggest story this week, and it is a fairly sensitive story because it's not nice. A game simply titled Rape Day was. He moved off Steam recently, or being up for, I think, like, a week, it might have been? Yeah. And this is a complete indictment of Steam's new system, where they are not, in any way, shape, or form, actively curating what gets put on the Steam, uh, Steam library. You can put up stuff that is... Just like complete and utter trash has no redeeming value. Anybody who saw this game would not put it up on their platform. Even if they secretly enjoyed it themselves, they would say, this is not a good move for our company. We're not doing this. Yeah. Because Steam now has this open door policy and they don't want to curate or censor anything on their platform they are leaving themselves wide open and ripe for this sort of thing to happen and this is not a new decision they made six months ago they decided to switch to this after they just after they had been getting a lot of flack for putting up another game earlier um i they think i remember to... that well uh, i guess for our listeners who may or may not know, uh, basically it was, again, about six months ago where um, sometime last year they had gotten a lot of flack for for uh, the school shooter game. 
Yes, that, that was it. Yes, 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 yes. Terrible yeah. idea. Terrible. And that was like right after a mass shooting had happened in the U.S. Again. So completely distasteful, horrible, just like really put up there, I think, for the shock value. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So even even though they did remove it, they decided to adopt a we don't curate our platform. People can put up what they want. We're not going to censor it because they felt that it would remove the legal i guess the uh the onus on them if something questionable was put up on their platform right so very so very capitalist <laughs> i guess is the best way you could say it yeah see how but, things go throw it into the wind and it's up it's, the onus is on you the creator yeah we're not liable for it you guys can do whatever you want we're not the censor. We're not. Oh, um, this is a free platform. The market can decide if a game makes it or not. And the critics, which includes me, says this is again ripe for the abuse. You, it's going to be just a matter of time before something horrible comes along. And what that horrible thing was is rape day. And obviously, anybody who uh, hears that name knows what that game is about. Yep. Right? It is actively glorifying the most despicable behavior. You are mass murdering, you are assaulting, you are doing everything, including the t uh, the uh, title uh, crime, to rack up a big score. And it's done with like as photorealistic as these guys could do, given whatever engine they could find. Yeah, it's, it's so... Like, I feel, I feel almost this game is so objectively rotten that I feel it was made on purpose to make a point about the Steam Store almost. Like it was made to say we can get away with this. Yeah. As opposed to adding and... like entertainment value. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the full content of the game because obviously I have no wish to play it myself. But after a week, they pulled it down. But they haven't changed their, uh, their uh, general rules. It's still open season, so it's only a matter of time before this happens again. And this is what's so frustrating to me because... Their response to pull it down is equivalent to saying that we will remove games, but only when people make a big enough stink that we think it's going to damage our profitability. Uh-huh. And that is the most cynical and the most lax uh, setting there is, especially at a time where the market share for Steam is really starting to erode. You have uh, the Epic Store, which is pulling uh, all its might to get exclusives for their their storefront, and and other platforms that just by virtue of having a lower percentage that they take. Remember that Steam takes thirty percent off the top of sales, 
while other uh, other uh, places either do 12% in the case of epic or are the like the producers or the uh, the, the distributors own storefront in which case they're absorb they're absorbing all the profit themselves right that's why blizzard has its own blizzard launcher because they're like yeah, yeah we'll take 100 of the proceeds we don't need to put it on steam yeah so this is not the time for steam to also be the most consumer dangerous one where games that show up can be like absolutely garbage and like really like just just the worst garbage <laughs> yeah and i, I feel mean... like calling it garbage is is being like lighthearted or yeah. pussyfooting around on this yeah this is absolute just i cannot i struggle to find the words for what this is it's not in any way shape or form any kind of artistic merit it it doesn't matter if it has any kind of gameplay manic, uh, uh, merit because it is garbage. It is the lowest lowest denominator, and I don't even mean lowest common denominator because there are people whose bar just literally does not go that low, and they have sunk below it. Yeah. And for Steam to allow this stuff to happen again is incredibly stupid. I find their quote on the whole situation as to why they pull it down very interesting where some guy called Johnson Eric Johnson I don't know what position he's in but he obviously must be important in some aspect says after significant fact finding and discussion we think Rape Day poses unknown costs and risks and therefore won't be on Steam now to me that comes across as very corporate (laughs) Or something that just is objectively bad. They might as well just say, you know, we don't accept these kind of games. They're not saying that. They're saying it had too many costs and risks. As opposed to, we don't agree with this type of thing. Which is worrying. Well, it's in line with the uh, previous statement that uh, Valve had put forward. Which is... (laughs) While throwing open the doors in this way, we will more more than likely invite an even wider swath of games that include an entire range of controversial topics, politics, sexuality, racism, gender, violence, and identity. Valve endeavors to absolve itself of affiliation with anything that engages in these issues in harmful ways. And the statement goes on. But that is saying that Valve isn't isn't connected with any of these ideas, but they're going to do nothing to stop it. Yeah. And that is that is horrible. Like when you make a platform, right? You have a I feel you have a responsibility to anybody who walks into that platform. If you have a house and you rent it out to freaking I don't know, drug uh, drug traffickers, uh, terrorists, whatever, right? And you find out about it, you kind of have a responsibility to remove those criminals from your your home or tip somebody off to let uh, to have them removed. Yeah, you do something about it. 
Yeah. You don't just and go, Valve's well, like... you know, I let people live their lives, but I don't agree with it. So, like, you know, whatever. Yeah, because then you're <laughs> facilitating that. You're You're becoming virtually an accomplice after the fact or an enabler. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh... and <laughs> hmm. Oh my god. It's just so it 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 just makes me dislike Valve a lot. Is what it does and that's it's it speaks to the way they've handled it because I imagine I'm not the only one because the fault here is mostly in the people who've made it, but Valve making a very conscientious effort to just go, well, we'll respond to it when there's complaints. As opposed to taking care of the problem themselves and being proactive in the content they have available on their platform. Is uh, is not good enough, I don't think. Yeah, this is definitely a company that is looking at its legal obligations and not its social or moral obligations yeah this definitely. is uh yeah as long as it doesn't mess with our profits anything is free game and that's an ugly brand to have associated yourself with it's one of those i feel this is this isn't talking to us this is talking to investors almost you know sort of statement like we have had with blizzard recently where it just feels a little bit less human than what you'd expect definitely can we move on so, to something more we... positive, please? Yes. Yes, let us move on to something <laughs> more positive. And the rest of the episode is going to be filled with positive news for the next two segments. Because Nintendo is worried that it might have games where people are spending too much on microtransactions. Oh my and god. What a world we live in. Weren't we just, like, singing Nintendo's praises last episode? Yeah, we were sucking the Nintendo dick for a bit. I mean, it's very good. Oh, it's <laughs> that's worth it. They have we have good reasons. Yeah, and, and like I don't I don't want to seem like a Nintendo fanboy because really I I'm kind of a Sony guy, but in general, I I love hearing this sort of stuff. So Nintendo is looking at its mobile offerings. Uh, it has contacted its partners in the mobile in the mobile industry and it's trying to make sure that their the little microtransactions that are in their games are sort of reined in so that people can't go a little nuts and become i guess the whales that every other company is looking for yeah like buy and, buy 150 dollars worth of coins for example yeah and they're doing that because they don't want to be perceived as so greedy is, I guess, the the most jaded way you can look at it. Yeah. But by doing a good thing, right, they instantly gain that recognition. And this... Especially when compared to other companies. Yeah. Definitely compared to other companies. And this goes towards kind of the the meat of what I wanted to talk about today with Yagati, because in my mind, microtransactions on top of other, other ways that they monetize games in the long run are having a profoundly negative effect on some game development. 
if if a microtransaction is anything other than an afterthought to the system, I think it negatively affects the system. And the way I want to sort of break this up is if microtransactions are cosmetic, then your progress through the game is not affected by their existence. Yeah. If microtransactions can allow you power gains, then I find that developers will often in other ways stifle your way your means to get power in order to highly incentivize going the microtransaction route. And evil. that's <laughs> Yeah, that's that's evil. It's it's that carrot on a stick thing where before it was play our game, gameplay, we'll keep that carrot on a stick so you always feel like you need to go forward. Now it's carrot on a stick, pay me five bucks, I'll give you a little nibble on this carrot. You have a free carrot if you pay. <laughs> Those are the one you need to earn over 20 years. Yeah, and and that that's really like at the core of why I don't like microtransactions. I don't like Overwatch loot boxes, not because they're random, because any of the stuff that you get in there doesn't give any power, so I don't care if I'm beating you with like the basic skin tracer, I'm still the same as anybody else. I don't like them because the game is all about like, boom, here's your loot box, we're hitting level 5! And then, wow, it's a struggle to get to level 6 and 7, and then uh -huh. when you've, you've played the game enough, Oh man, it's going to be months before I get like the uh, enough to get this skin or enough uh, another loot box to possibly get this skin. Maybe I just want to buy 50 loot boxes for this holiday event. Yeah, it's Christmas. Better buy 60 loot boxes and uh get yeah. duplicates of things I have that are not seasonal. <laughs> I d yeah. I don't know. I don't know how people put up with that system blows my mind um my main problem with microtransactions is when they're present in the game that already has another micro like another way to pay for the game as a service or already has a payment for just playing the game like uh with what call of duty's doing where you have to pay the game now there's a battle pass you can pay for and now there's loot boxes you can pay for like it's doing literally everything it can to monetize itself i don't like that I know it makes a lot of money, but I hate, like, I genuinely don't play games anymore where you pay it and then you have to pay to continue playing it because I just think it's ridiculous. I I feel there's a limit for it for me, and it might be lower than yours, because I'll buy the latest expansion of World of Warcraft, and then I'll pay my 15 bucks a month. But... If they were to introduce a bunch of cosmetic things and put it as microtransactions on the store, like let's say it's things that haven't been introduced before. So you can get new dances for existing races or new customization options for like, you know, new jewelry or, or new uh, skin tones or whatever customization. And they decide to put that as... A microtransaction that would rub me the wrong way yeah. it's not anything yeah it's not anything gameplay wise but it's like come on guys i'm 
already paying you fifteen dollars a month it's plus way every too much. Yeah. It it's it's the the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's like I'm already paying you guys over and over again, and I know that the these art resources are being diverted because you can make twenty bucks on this mount and you give Alliance their fourteenth horse. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, at least at least this time in in this expansion, it's only one side that got shafted by mounts as opposed to both sides. So at least there's that. Yeah, or like if they were to to like, let's say the green fire quest that everybody loves, right? Green fire for warlocks. That's awesome. Now let's say they did red ice for mages, but it was a microtransaction. Yeah, I mean. That system is something that exists in Path of Exile, which is a game I love, and I'm okay with the monetization system in that game because I've not spent a dollar on that game in the past week and a half, and I play it almost daily because everything is just cosmetic. There is no entry fee. There is no monthly subscription. Everything you get is purely cosmetic, and it's nice because I genuinely hate microtransactions, but my favorite game has microtransactions in it, and it's nice knowing that I can enjoy a game with microtransactions in it, if it's done right, in my opinion, and with how it feels. Microtransactions yeah, and I think... is also a huge fucking word to say one after another. It's tongue twisty. <laughs> well, I think that the reason that it works in Path of Exile is that, one, it's purely cosmetic. Two is that the way that they incentivize you is that they're constantly having sales. They're like, yes. hey, there's sales on this, sales on that, sales on this, so that you might jump in and see what it is. Two is that the storefront, you never see unless you bring it up. <laughs> right? It is no way, shape or form, like, pushed towards you. Where in games like Destiny 2, their Eververse system, They'll be like, here's a silver coin. You could take this and buy something at Eververse. And then you go over there and everything costs at least five coins or more. And you're like, oh, how do I get more coins? Pay us. It's like, oh, geef. But that silver coin's always in your in your inventory until you like decide to buy. And then you realize that, wait a second, you can only buy in fives. So there's never, ever going to be that thing outside of like six or something that removes all your inventory oh dear that sounds awful <laughs> that sounds really but it, fucking it wasn't, bad it wasn't quite like that that was just like how they eventually like lead you to it they'd give you like one little cosmetic for free right and oh, then what yeah. it became is that they would give you every so often you would get the ability to basically loot box right you'd get a random cosmetic and the way that it worked is that what uh you had this grid you'd set you'd go through the grid and you get a random cosmetic. It's like oh great i got something and it probably wasn't what you want but it's a nice little like bonus for like hey you're playing the game here's a little like cosmetic thing yeah and then the way the system worked is that is that you would never get a duplicate so if you buy a second one, it's more chance that you get what you want. And if you buy your 15th one, it's way more chance that you get what you want. But only the first taste is free. Ah, uh, right. I mean, Destiny 2 
You buy the game, you buy the expansions. Is there a subscription? No, no. You just have your your uh, expansions that come out, but they come out at a much faster pace than something like World of Warcraft. They're coming out like maybe three or four times a year that they bring out these what they call expansions, which are really just patches. And then <laughs> they have their year big event thing like Forsaken, like the Taken King, right? Which are what we would call expansions, but they have a different name for it. Like Uber expansions. Like Uber expansions, but no, they're expansions. You have your patches, which they call expansions, and the the expansions, which have a different. And yes, you have to pay for those as well. Uh, pay for the game, pay for the expansions. I think that's enough, right? Except then you don't get all the cool-looking cosmetics that they keep showing uh, you. I hate, I hate that. That's that's the biggest thing that irked me about WoW with the mount store. Is you bring out these really cool-looking mounts, but the stuff in game that you actually earn is just recolors. For like the past six years, it's just been recolors, and it's just like. If World of Warcraft was a free-to-play game with cosmetics and paid MTX, then sure. But because you're already paying for a service and then you have to pay extra for shit, it just feels bad, man. And I'm very glad that Nintendo feels that that is perceived as greedy. Definitely. And if you have a solid game, that you can put a uh, put the like full sticker on and people will buy it then you're making solid money. Nintendo is not a unprofitable company. Ooh. The Switch is not a system that has failed to sell in any way shape or form. Last year was the highest selling system. Yeah. So quite the opposite. Really. You, yeah. So like you don't need to be diving headfirst into these greedy manipulating practices to make a buck. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that Nintendo has the perspective to see this, and it may be a difference in culture being a Japanese company. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy to see this, just from any company really to go Hey, is our what, what what does our business look like? What is it perceived as? Because that's so important. Why people fucking hate EA and Activision? Because they have a perception of perception of the company. So if they release something that's actually good, like Sekiro's Dies Twice is being published by fucking Activision of all things. My expectations of of Sekiro are tainted by the fact that it's published by Activision. Nothing to do with the game at all. But I know what Activision's like. So, yeah, and... Perception is important. Can we talk about that game? Oh my god, can we? Holy shit. Uh, so it's coming out in about 10 days from when you're hearing this in your ear holes. Um, it's made by the same people that made the Soulborn series, so Demon Souls, all three of the Dark Souls, and Bloodborne. It's... Looking very much like a Bloodborne Demon Souls esque game, where it's very standalone and very unique to the previous titles. Uh, Dark Souls has historically been an RPG, and 
this is moving from what has traditionally been some a game where you level up stats and equipment to a game where you have one character with the same equipment, accessible uh, and a cool prosthetic arm thing where you can attach accessories to customize your playstyle, one weapon or two weapons or something that are set. And instead of leveling up stats, you have uh, kind of like an old school talent tree. Think the Witcher Free talent tree, where you have three different sort of categories you can pick. And it is the sorry, the focus of the game is going to be around story and world building and heavy lore and an incredibly amazing setting because it's based in Shogunate Japan, which is a hugely interesting period of history. Because it's like medieval but hyper. And I'm so fucking looking forward to it. There is a trailer that's just come out, like probably the pre launch trailer. They'll probably have a trailer when the game comes out. Um, but just the way it looks, the way it feels, because they've had a demo recently, the hitbox is pornographic in some ways. And I mean, that is in it so precise and so just deliciously sexy. Like, if the enemy hits you by, like, misses you by a whisker with their blade, you don't get hit. It's incredible. And it's made by Mr. Miyazaki Moto. Not Moto, I think. I don't think his last name's Moto. But his name's Miyazaki. I know that much. He's made Bloodborne. He's made Demon Souls. He's made Dark Souls 1 and 3. He's good at making games, and I'm very looking forward to this. Only downside, it's made by Activision. That's, uh, or published by Activision, I should say. Uh, that is the only downside I see to the game, because I'm very, very excited for it. Okay, okay. Like, I have not been the biggest player of the uh, Souls franchise. Never have been. I've watched people play it. I I hesitate to play them because I find that they are grindish games in that they're, un- they're incredibly unforgiving experiences. Yes. And so, I like, at certain points, like, that might just hit my frustration cap. I don't mind hard experiences, but like I don't like it always to be at that level. It's why when I was playing Mass Effect, which I'm still playing by the way, <laughs> I originally played it on the hardest difficulty and then I decided to tone it down because it was needlessly hard. It was needlessly like, oh, you didn't see that guy and you ducked your head out, poop, he popped you dead. And it's like, okay, so how am I supposed to get around this room? Let me try. Bam! He shot you dead. I mean, Dark Souls... Sorry, go on. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Dark Souls difficulty, I mean, it's static, and it tends to be less about just raw stats and more mechanical difficulty, which I always feel is more and more fun to play against. Like, the DLC bosses have a lot more health, but they also have a lot of new mechanics and abilities that are new and refreshing and involve a lot more thought process to dodge and overcome to kill the boss. I reckon you'd like Dark Souls, and if you did want to try Dark Souls 3, I would be down to play it with you because you play But Sekiro, interestingly, is not multiplayer. By the by, it's a pure single-player game. That's going to be very interesting. Um, I think the difficulty of it, I think your assession, uh, assumption that you'll beat yourself frustrated is fair. I think everyone does. But it's one of those games where you put it down, get frustrated, leave it for a bit, and then come back and enjoy it again. Because it is just a challenge. It doesn't waver and and get easier for you. It goes, this is what you need to pass my standards, and you better fucking reach it, bitch. 
Otherwise, you're not getting past this door. Okay, okay. It's it's something that I'll have to look at, but it's not going high on my list. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But but yeah, that game's coming out. The other thing about like it being published by EA and Activision. This is oh the, sorry, the other this evil company. <laughs> this being published by Activision. Um, is that now I'd kind of want to look at and see what their contract is like because with Activision, with EA, I am terribly worried that they're trying to push this into a game as a service. Which, And by that I mean that a little bit after the game is out, you can get the season pass and that season pass will have DLC with new bosses and stuff. And so the game will have to come out with new bosses every two, three months to keep you engaged. And none of it will be crafted as well as we would have liked. And half of it will be behind weird little paywalls. And there will be weird little Iron Man suits that they throw in every, every so often to be like, pay for me, pay for me, pay for me. And as we just talked about in MTXs, that wears thin real fast for me now. Dark Souls has historically always done DLC, and they've historically been amazing because they've been planned out since day one. They've not been kept from the real game and launched as day one DLC or anything, but they have been very, 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 very closely tied to the main story and make a lot of sense and feel quite natural as DLC components. And all the DLC I've had of any Souls game has been amazing. So I think I can expect DLC for Sekiro. I don't know if you get a season pass with like cosmetic rewards and that because it's a pure single player game. And games as a service tends to be multiplayer. Generally mm. multiplayer only. Um, but yeah, Activision is worrying because they might do some shady shit. Mm. And you just don't know. Or... It could be that it was just a great business opportunity for From Software to get this game on the market. Who knows? Well, with a pedigree of uh, the Souls games, I think that they they should be able to just be like, yeah, produce our game and you know it'll sell and hopefully have creative control over it. So, yeah, we will see. Like you said, it's coming out in less than two weeks, ten days. I'm so excited! <laughs> But until it comes out, Gotti, what have you been playing this week to tide you over? Oh, well, um, so about two or three days ago, the Path of Exile League came out. So before then, I had to keep myself busy, and I played mostly two games. I played um, more Civ Six, where I'm playing on a much higher difficulty. I think I've gone up by two, so I'm playing on, like, Prince to Emperor. And it's a lot better because the AI is just a lot more interesting to interact with. My main problem with that game is once you sort of settled your early game, mid to late game gets very monotonous because you're just sort of steamrolling a win as opposed to actually having to deal with threats. And now at this difficulty, I'm actually having to deal with the AI properly. And like I've lost cities, gained cities, fought wars, got myself into a really shit situation, started a world war just because the AI has a lot more... Uh, uh, presence in just the overall world and the game mechanic. So that's been a lot of fun. And then in Breath of the Wild, I got a lot more into that, did a lot more trials, ended up on an island. 
And this island, when you step on it, a mysterious voice says, Welcome, Link. I see that you've done so well in your travels with all your gear. Let's see how well you do without your gear. So it takes all your gear, and you have to get three orbs on the island and bring them to three different pedestals. And it was an absolute ball ache, because whenever you die, uh, you have to restart the whole thing. And by the way, because it's an open world game, I was meant to do this area with like 15 hearts. I did it with four. Uh, <laughs> so anything one shot me. So I eventually just ended up kite running, picking up the orb, running through the enemies, and just chucking it and running and hoping to god I would make it. One orb you pick up off like a... It's like a double-story house-sized like demon pig thing with a cyclops eye. It had the orb on it. I, I, I land on, on the demon pig. I don't wake it up. I grab the orb. I move it slightly. I chuck it. And the moment it touches the ground, the fucking thing wakes up, and I'm spending the whole island just trying to kite this thing around to go up a big hill to plunk the final one in to the portal. <laughs> and it took me about two hours. <laughs> wow. Um, so I'm liking Breath of the Wild a lot more. Uh, it's a shame <laughs> Path of Exile came out, but yeah, it seems a lot better. And then I've just oh. been playing Path of Exile since uh, about the last two or three days. My starter build was absolute crap. I played a build which has max block, so it's very, very tanky. You use a move called Cyclone, which is like Whirlwind and Diablo, but you uh, customize it in a way so it applies a shitload of poisons. And then there's a spell called Herald of Agony, which for each poison you put on an enemy, you get a stack and up to 40. And with that, you get a little, like, spider scorpion minion thing that does lots of, like, chaos damage, and it does more damage per stack of virulence you have, which is the thing that goes up to 40. Essentially, you go in there, you whirlwind, you poison everything up, and then you buff up your spider, which doesn't attack. The problem is, it's A, a melee skill, which is terrible at the moment, a minion skill, so the fucking thing will just fire whatever it wants to, not what I need it to. And because of that, it just feels very clunky to play. Uh, so I've ended up re-rolling and playing with the new skill gems, and that's been a lot better. The new league mechanic is really, really interesting. I think a lot of people criticized it because they don't know what the fuck's going on. Now that people have a better idea of how to sort of make the most of it and get really good benefits out of it, it's a lot better. Because um, you're essentially building, like Carcassonne, a very big road, except you're trying to keep that road as live as long as possible. The more activities you do on the road, the better rewarding the road is. So I think like one of my one of my nodes on the memory nexus, which is like the big board game map you play on, has about fifteen different modifiers on it. So I go in and like one thing dies and splits into four different things and then drops two different items, one of which is veiled, one of which is fucking this other thing, and then the loot boxes explode and all this type of shit. You're essentially just making really crazy maps so long as you sustain the buff. That's the really cool part. Initially no one knew what the fuck was happening. Same with the crafting thing they've added. No one knows how the fuck that works. It's really frustrating. As soon as someone figures out how the fuck it works, it'll be a very rewarding mechanic. But so far, if you like ARPGs, it's a great time to check out Path of Exile because anytime there's a new league and a new economy, fresh people playing, it's always a good time. Okay. I In World of Warcraft, going back to World of Warcraft, they have <laughs> like the, the Secret Finders uh, Discord. Where people are just think tanking on like how uh, how like little things in the world work, how like the little secrets can be, and 
obviously PO uh, Pillars of Exile has its uh, <laughs> Pillars of Theory crafting. Is it? Is that the site? Path of Building. Path of Building. Thank you. And oh, I think that's where I would building. want to be uh, be right now. Just right along with people being like, okay, if you do this and this together, you get this. Can anybody duplicate that? Okay, we figured out where it's drawing like the first two uh, affixes and what it pulls to get its intrinsic and yada yada. I think that would be a really cool thing to be following right now if you are into that sort of thing. Oh, this like the new builds are still being modified. Some of them outright lie about what they can do. By the way, it's very disappointing. But um, like so much new to discover, so many things to try. If you like experimenting and min-maxing and just trying new things to see what works, it's an amazing time because the new uniques they added are very, very specific and powerful at the cost of something usually, and it makes gearing a lot more interesting, which it already is amazingly interesting. well for me like i said earlier i'm still playing mass effect and it's been really great going back through mass effect one i i'm not sure if i said this last week but i forgot how rpg mass effect one is compared to compared to like two and three i think you did i'm trying to remember it might have been before the show no, no, I think you did. I think we, I okay. think we went through just a general thing about the the trilogy. You know, the thing I remember most about one is the final part with spoilers, by the way, because it's a twenty year old game or something. Uh, like the capital, whatever it's called, has like a Saren's, the Citadel, yeah, Saren's big boys in it, and they've like closed it because it's trying to become like a portal thing for the the. Metal octopus ships, whatever they're called. The Reapers? Yeah. And um, he's like, closed off and you've got to fight along there. That's the part I remember. The most. I thought that was the coolest part of the game. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm definitely not. But I'm getting together my gear, making sure I've got all the, like, the, the right things. I do love my abilities. The fact that, like, I can use those abilities in close combat and from far combat. I've got my sniper rifle and I am picking fools off. And it's, <laughs> I I really do love the customization and and even like just the general squad like move here, do this, and cycling through abilities is. I like the tactical stuff, so I'm really enjoying it. I uh, have decided that I'm going to do the romance that shall not be named. Uh, what romance I am, is that? Well, no, like everybody <laughs> saves Caden because nobody likes Ashley, but I'm romancing <laughs> Ashley. Oh yeah, you gotta save her. You can't have a blow up that makes the whole romance impossible. No, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna kill her so I can pick somebody else in two. Oh, <laughs> but it's gonna that, be the how tactical. <laughs> <laughs> I but it's it's gonna be because I I I don't know like I nobody liked Ashley or she's very she's very much not liked in general for the community. I like and Ashley. so really. I mean, I liked like, I liked I'm... her because I blew her up and I didn't have to deal with her for very long. But... <laughs> <laughs> okay, having gone down this romance option and actually getting to know more about her personally and not her being the soldier it's cool to see this other half that is sort of hidden if you just 
walk away from her every time she opens up her big mouth. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm romancing her at this point. <laughs> but no, she's got, she has a, yeah, a poetic side. She has a more softer side. It definitely feels like she's a, a fleshed out character. And it's a, a part that 20 years later I had not fully appreciated. So I'm happy for that. And I'm really glad to, to like find yet another little gem in this game that I love so much. Makes me want to play it again. Like actually explore the systems more and bake Garrus. That'd be cool. <laughs> Garrus is great. Can't date, wait, can you date Garrus in yeah. one? I think you can only date him from two. Oh, well, I'll just, uh, maybe you can. You should be. You should by law. Such an important character. <laughs> I think. I think in two they allow you to date uh, Talia and um, and Garrus, but I don't think in one you can. I blew up town. <laughs> oh no! Well, don't worry. Don't worry. On your playthrough, you could actually save her this time. Oh good. I mean, I look it up. I'm like, I cannot let anyone die. This happy family needs to continue. <laughs> Hell yeah. And like I was saying before, play the DLC because it's good. Yeah, I'll do that, eh? Next time. I'm After all this stuff about play. microtransactions, there's there's like little extra paid DLC that I I loved. So yeah, I guess DLC can be done right. It can if it adds to the game properly. I think I think just as a gaming community, we're just so scarred by greedy corporations. Want to get money instead of delivering a service that's worth the money, like Dark Souls DLCs. Dark Souls Two was a very critic, uh, critic criticized game because of its design decisions and the sloppiness and the general lower quality from the previous games. I still really enjoyed it, but everyone agrees the DLC for those games was amazing, absolutely amazing. Made the entire game great again, and I think when Total Biscuit a review on it, he said it was the best DLC for value at that time. So, you know, they can be amazing. And any time I look forward to a DLC, it's nice, because there are so many add-on DLC and stuff you have to pay extra for that just feels like someone's trying to steal your money. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess in general, just vote with your dollars, and yeah. hopefully okay. they uh, they pick up on that. Fuck yeah, you should. You should be a consumer, because that's the culture we live in. We're a consumer culture, and people consume things, the better companies do. So the less people consume things, the worse companies do. So just uh, don't feel like you have to buy things. I think we've had an era for so long with like loyalty to gaming companies, and I think that's going by the haywire, at least for like older games companies that have had such loyal fan bases, especially Blizzard. Uh, I think that's all going by the wayside as indie games and AAA games and games in between all sort of merged into the same sort of quality you get, really, because it's not all about graphics anymore. Yeah, the differentiator between the large studios and the smaller studios is becoming harder and harder to tell. So pay for quality, pay for... Yeah, pay for quality. And if it's got enough quantity and enough of it is worth your dollar, pay for that quality, regardless of the quantity. Yeah. <laughs> and, like. yeah. 
Vote with your dollars, I guess. That's the show title. Vote with your dollars. Vote with your dollars. That's going to be the show. And I think that'll about wrap up, wrap up the show as well. Do you have anything else to add? Nope, that's it. Thank you, Gotti. And uh, until next time, enjoy, guys. Yeah, enjoy. Vote with your dollars. <laughs>